Cavalcade Audio Productions presents Star Drifter, the science fiction audiobook series written and read by David Collins Rivera. Today's story, Unit 19, Part 2. Soul threw up his hands in exasperation, and yes, a little fear now, looking at Guy as he spoke to Ejok. She was seeming nervous, too, and shook her head in confusion. Look, pal, I don't believe any of this, but even if I did, what are we supposed to do? We're not fleet marines, we're not armed. We can go find someone, the other technician offered. An officer or supervisor. That could take an hour, Ejok dismissed. And like I said, some of these officers are in on this. They'll be hovering near the lifeboats, you can be sure of it. Mine has to be involved. It's the only thing that explains her behavior. I don't know about that, Sol responded dryly. We've never met, and I already want to sit guards on you. Yeah, Guyani agreed. That actually got a laugh from the other side of the mic. Sol chuckled too, because it wasn't really a joke. Well, they do have me stowed away, the man said after a bit. Looks like they realize it, too, because they've stopped pounding on the door. I'll bet there's still a guard out there, though, to keep me in here. Keep me quiet. They don't know I have comms. And why don't you call the bridge? Guyani asked. I already tried. My supervisor reported me as deserting my post during a crisis. They're not listening. And we should... The other muttered something unwholesome under his breath and didn't reply for a bit, seeming to chew it over. Maybe not, I guess. But at least get out of there. Go to another unit and board a lifeboat. Whatever's coming, it won't be long now. The two technicians stared at each other through their little bubbles. Give us a minute here, Guy said to him, then muted the makeshift channel. She stepped closer to Sol looking like she had a point to make. Maybe we should go out there and take a look. Really? Because a random voice on the comms says we should? It sort of makes sense. If the ship might be at risk, we have to at least check it out. In what? He questioned, pinching the fabric of his thin pressure suit. These? They aren't rated for exo-work. They can't handle extreme temps or serious radiation. Sure, the primary is too far for solar rads to be a problem, but what about cosmic? A couple of minutes won't hurt, she replied with certainty. And there's always that old standby, falling overboard? That'd be one bad shift guy. She looked at him critically, eyes narrowed. You don't have spacewalk training, do you? Well, not formally. Or at all? It's not a requirement anymore. I know, Sol, I'm not judging, but maybe you should sit this out. I'm trained and certified. I'll look around and come right back in, sweet as summer. It's a good idea to have someone in here as backup anyway. 
Right, he agreed. Acquiesced, really. This wasn't the time for pride to rule the day, though it did rather stink. Just pop your head out. You don't see anything strange, then there's nothing to go look for, right? The two of them stepped over to the little pressure door at the bow. This one, and its twin in the stern, were how the two techs had come aboard to begin with. Metallic slidewalks ran between boats with guy wires for clip-on security, all wrapped in clear, plastic, insulated tubes to hold in a little air and heat. It was just enough to make passage from one boat to another quick and easy for pressure-suited technicians and workers. Well, how about I use my best judgment? Guyeni replied flatly, not exactly miffed by the young man's somewhat proprietary tone, but not exactly not. Okay, sorry. Oh, and he switched back to the weird guy's homemade channel. Guy is going out to take a look. Good. Just a quick peek now, no hero stuff. I think she knows what to do. There was no easy egress from the plastic tubes between the boats, but the clear material was pretty specialized. This sort of entrance and exit was occasionally required for repairs and maintenance, so the material was designed to be easily sealed with patching tape, rolls of which were stored in metal boxes on either end of the tube. Everything about this vessel, Sol realized, was dedicated to efficiency, compromise, and impermanence. It was a rare thing indeed for any member of the crew, whether technicians, specialists, hands, or even officers, to remain with it for very long. It was an amorphous beast, consuming and excreting a star system's commercial goods and other valuables restlessly and continually. Star jumping from one system to another at very set times and on very set headings, it immediately shed units and boats upon arrival and gained them with roughly equal voluminosity and freneticism until it was time to leave. It was a fact, though, that a system's jump point could be out of sync with the easy, read-that-efficient, read-that, cost-effective, orbital trajectories required for the boats coming from or moving in toward a gravity well. When such was the case, and it commonly was, the ship would declare a hold on both attach and detachments until things were better aligned. Putting such minor imprecisions right rarely took more than a day or two with the help of Belwyn's main drives. These were very particular boats embedded into each unit, possessing engine rooms with a crew and reaction cones on extensible arms. Big burns were then supported by the continual, seemingly random jettings of smaller maneuver thrusters on each boat of the ship to adjust entrained mass clusters and unit vectors. These efforts were all slave to the bridge, which was, in fact, a specialized boat all its own, packed with navigation, monitoring, and communications equipment. It was a non-stop effort, somewhat like herding cattle, and took thousands of crew members and dedicated AIs to do safely and accurately. And something had gone very wrong. Sol had to agree with the gunner. This couldn't be random. There were far too many redundant systems, watched by far too many eyes. But who looks for conspiracies and sabotage when they have regular deadlines to make? 
when the day-to-day workload keeps a tech so busy he doesn't even have time to meet people or make friends. The young Gravspech watched his counterpart from ship systems as she entered the airlock. Gaieni offered a tight smile just before sealing the door. I'll talk to you the whole time, she told him, once outside in the tube. Do you have any vid options? These suits don't have cameras, and I didn't think to bring one. No, I don't. Not with me, anyway. But I'll tell you what I see. Sol closed and sealed the hatch, but watched her through the airlock door's window. Countless points of light, visible through the transparent tube, were intermittently obscured by glare from the young woman's suit floods. She hadn't sounded nervous when she spoke, but Sol doubted that was really the case. He didn't know her at all, but it would be strange not to feel tension here. Gaieni had a pointy electronics probe in hand from her repair bag. She poked at the tube wall, pushing the plastic outward on its tip like a balloon until a pinhole was formed. Even through the door, Sol could hear a piercing whistle of air escaping. Inside the tube, it must have been a shriek. She waited as the pressure dropped and noise faded, this to avoid a blowout, and exchanged the probe tool for a small cutter. After a minute or so, when it was quiet again, Gaieni turned the tiny hole into a long slit with a slow, careful drawing motion. There were power, sensor, and communication linkages outside the tube, some as thick around as a person. Guy grabbed hold of one of these and pulled herself out awkwardly. Immediately she was lost from view, but her genproc signal was still strong. I'm doing okay so far. Hold on. She grunted and was breathing hard apparently struggling to get through the tangles of cables and hoses that provided cohesive control between the boats in Unit 19. The hull is right here. Okay, got it. Boots are holding. I'll just ease up over the hull. Yeah, slow and steady. Are you cold? No, VAC doesn't conduct heat, you know that. In this suit, thermal radiance won't be an issue for, oh, at least a full day. Are you making that up? Of course, but it's fine, Sol, honest. Hold up, I'm at dorsal transition. Time for a look-see. He could hear her breathing and humming curiously, as if she were alone on the channel. That went on for a while. The static thrashed again. Anything? the gunner asked. Can you see them? What was that? Guyeni asked. Please repeat. You're choppy, Ejok. He's loud and clear to me, Sol stated. You're loud and clear, she corrected. He's breaking up. I'm pushing this through the impact assessment grid's wireless connection on your boat. It's only designed to send compressed, aggregated sensor stats to a repeater further back. Can't you grab the repeater directly then? Sol asked. Possibly, but that's a shipwide system. Somebody would see it. IAG is local, at least to you. It's low-powered and tightly focused on the boat's internal structure. But she won't be able to hear you out there, the gravity tech finished for him. I'm only getting one side of your conversation, Guy repeated, sounding annoyed. 
I'm at the edge of the upper hull now, but if comms are shot, should I even keep going? That was a good question. This Ejok person couldn't do much to help her. He couldn't even help himself. Yet he claimed to have eyes on the exterior of the boat, and that was something they could definitely use. I'll be the go-between, Sol offered, and then paraphrased what the trapped gunner had told him about the makeshift communications channel. The woman sighed in frustration. This is stupid. Yup. What do you want to do? What's she say? Ejok asked, sounding just as frustrated. Well, I'm out here. I may as well keep going. Hold on. She's about to crest dorsal, Sol explained. No! Tell her to stop! There's a figure near the edge! I can see him on telescopics! Guy, somebody's there! What? The young technician replied, confused, but then made a short, gasping noise. Are you okay? It's a guard, she whispered, which was not actually necessary considering she was in vac, but some things were instinctive. Their back was turned. Didn't see me, I don't think. What do I do? What is it? Ejok demanded and Sol told him what had happened. What kind of suits are they wearing? I can't resolve the image enough to tell. Sol relayed his question. I don't know, Guyani replied. Dark, probably metal, made him look really big. Big and dark, Sol considered. That could be a Holtech suit. Shell hogs wear heavy stuff. They wear scale suits, Ejok put in. Crush-resistant, in case a worker gets pinned under something, and bright so they can be seen. Did it look like fish skin or maybe have larger plates? The Gravtech repeated the question. I just got a glimpse, but it wasn't bright and didn't look like fish scales. Whoever it is, they're holding something in their hand. A pry tool, maybe? I don't know. Can she go over to one side and get a safer view? Ejok asked, after Sol related the other tech's words. I actually see four people out there total, but can't tell what they're up to. I can try, the woman offered, after Sol told her what the gunner had said. But what am I looking for? The young AGID technician thought about that himself. To Ejok, he said, If these people aren't shell hogs, then they have no business being out there. You say they're saboteurs. What could they be doing? I can't tell, the man snapped, sounding balked and disturbed by the whole situation. He was not, apparently, used to being so helpless. Maybe they're setting charges. If we knew what was coming, we could take steps to prevent it. But if the ship is already destabilizing, Sol reasoned, then why would they even need to plant bombs? I don't know. Maybe because... The man snapped as if to bite his head off, but then stopped. You're absolutely right, he answered at last, much more calmly. They wouldn't need to. They wouldn't want to. They're using technical glitches to make this look accidental. A bomb would only reveal their hand in it, so this isn't about piracy at all. Snatching cargo from Bellwind's wreck would be obvious, and they're working hard to avoid the obvious. What else are they after? Think it through. Somebody wants the ship to be scuttled, but not for the cargo. So it's not what we have, it's what we are. And what exactly are we that thousands of other supercarriers aren't? 
Sol replied, utterly confused. How about this? Heading to a brand new stop on an established route, Ejok replied. We're in Harris system now. Gowanus is next. Only 11 light years away, and it's an emerging commercial market. How do you know that? I read the ship's newsletter. It's attached to our pay notices each month. Do you even know how much money is involved in adding a stop to an established route like this? Gowanus system has a growing economy. Up until now, it's been serviced by an old, well-established trade coalition made up of small route carriers. But now, here we come, one of the big kids from an interstellar shipping conglomerate looking to take a bite out of the pie. <laughs> Whenever that happens, the big kids usually get all the pie. If we have a serious accident, Sol concluded, sick with the revelation, our entire cruise will go on hold. The investigation would take months, maybe years, the other expanded, and the company might just decide Gowanus isn't such a good fit for this route after all. And in the meantime, it's business as usual for the local coalition. What are you guys talking about? Guyani demanded, sounding really irritated. I'm hanging to this boat by my toes. What's going on? They aren't planting a bomb, Guy, he said. They need this to look like system faults or crew negligence. What are you seeing? Sol felt stymied himself, waiting for information he'd have no power to make use of. Not much now. I'm hiding, right? But what about 33's main power line for pushing juice out to the ship's electrical grid? The boat's own trunk line is tied into it. If they cut that, we lose everything inside. It won't affect the rest of the ship. Power will just route around us. Then I have no idea, she yelled, but reined it in immediately. Sorry. Hold on. I'll keep moving and take another look. Be careful. I'm careful. What's she being careful about? Sol told the gunner, who seemed to ponder it. What else is up top besides main power? Because you're right, they can't wreck the ship that way. And I know that flight controls are inaccessible. It's all automated and locked to the bridge. Sol hadn't actually known about the power line. In fact, he clearly didn't know as much as he thought he did only an hour before. I'm really feeling my lack of education right now, he muttered into both channels. Ejok laughed, but Guyeni snorted in derision. Think how I feel. Good money spent on a technical cert, and I'm just as lost over this as you are. Yeah, but I don't even know hull topography. There could be a snack bar up there for all I know. Have her bring me back a donut, Ejok put in. There's a lot of stuff on a boat like this. Too much to just guess at. I'm over to starboard now, Guy announced then. Should have a better view. She was breathing hard again, possibly more from fear than exertion. Sol, feeling edgy but adrift, scanned the dank, cramped hold for something, anything to do. His ability to ameliorate the situation was non-existent. Instead, he went searching for more sounds of movement from outside. If he could determine the location of those people from in here, he might be able to guess what they were up to out there. It was all he could think of. Can you tell me where they are on the hull? He put to Ejok. Not really, came the measured response. Port aft? 
I don't have a clear view. The optics are designed to target enemy craft, not look back on us. I have a schematic up in front of me, though, from the ship's library net. It's a directional guide for EVA workers. It's got technical descriptions of the exterior ports, lines, and access panels, but they're all classified by IDENT. I don't have access. A gunner doesn't need it. Can you send me a live feed of what you're seeing? The IAG's bandwidth capacity was only designed for incremental status updates. I'm using a super tiny audio compression codec to push voice through. There might be a good schema for video too, but I don't know what it is. If you want, I can combine a screen grab of the optical feed with a copy of that exterior map. But if I send it over, it might clobber the bandwidth and jack up the sensor receiver on your end. I'd have to reset remotely and re-establish our connection. You'd be on your own for a while. No offense, pal, the young technician replied, while doing his best to avoid outright flippancy. But we already are. Right. Okay. Well, here goes. And he was gone in a burst of static. When there was silence once again, Soul listened for more sounds. To be sure, the ordinary noise of magnetic boots on the hull was unlikely to be detectable, despite what they'd heard before. The boat had many layers for such vibrations to get through. A polinium carapace outer hull, radiation shielding, radiant and conductive insulation, hundreds of kilometers of electrical and data cabling, along with their associated supportive anchoring frames. Then there was an inner hull, embedded AGID plates, probably double the amount of cabling and frameworks as was near the outer hull, active heating and cooling systems, and distributed ATMO processors, since an automated boat lacked a proper engine room and ship systems department. Finally, there came the inner bulkheads, hull compression cabling, and structural columns and beams. There could be more than a meter of discrete machinery, metal, carbon, plastic, fabric, and other miscellaneous layers of unknown function between the boat's overhead and the vac outside. However they had made that noise before, he realized, it couldn't have been from just walking. Yes, they'd been moving aft, but the audible clunks implied an awkward load that kept hitting the hull with each step. Machinery, perhaps. Replacement equipment? Guy, he asked, have you gotten another look? Peeking up now. Hold on. If they aren't trying to blow us up, they have to be messing with the boat's systems. They're welding, she announced then. Are they cutting a hole? That's stupid. The airlock is just a box cutter away. They don't want in. I think they're swapping something out. You're sure they're not our guys? They're wearing enclosed armor, not scale suits. They aren't shell hogs. They look like, I don't know, army? I see some rifles. This is bad, soul. That Ejak guy is a gunner. Can't he zap them? He's offline again, but he's sending us a still image from his POV. What are they working on out there? Well, two of them are on guard, looking around. Don't worry, I'm staying low. The others are maybe ten meters from the drop-off at stern, sort of to port. I'm right across from them, but there's a big conduit in the way. I don't have a good view. 
I think you should head back in. But I haven't seen anything yet, she complained. And they haven't seen you. That could change. The ship system specialist was quiet for a moment, thinking. Yeah, okay. And anyway, my estimate was way off. I'm already getting cold. Starting back now, but I'll go slowly. Those lookouts might be bad at their jobs, but I've probably just been lucky. Sol was about to agree when a rather loud hiss-clunk sounded from the back of the crowded bay. Wait, Guy, did you re-enter already? No, I'm on my way, I said. The gravity tech looked toward the rear of the boat, fearfully searching the darkness for light or movement or anything at all. Because right then, pretty much anything at all was bad news. Okay, then we've got trouble. Someone just came through the aft pressure door. You have been listening to Unit 19, written and read by David Collins Rivera. You can contact me at lostinbronx at gmail.com. That's L-O-S-T-N-B-R-O-N-X at gmail. You can also check out my site at cavalcadeaudio.com and sign up for my newsletter. The Star Drifter theme is a piece called i by Trunks and can be found on soundcloud.com. The Unit 19 theme is called Reckless by Dysfunctional Al and is available on dig.ccmixter.org. Unit 19 is a work of fiction and is not based upon nor meant to portray any person, living or dead, nor any particular place or situation. This story is copyright 2017 by the author and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 4.0 international license. Feel free to use it for any purpose, even commercial, and I encourage you to do so. Thank you for listening. Take care.